TPM listeners. Uh, welcome to the TPM podcast. We have edition number two of my personal favorite podcast. Uh, we were thinking of a name for it. I threw out Art Hour with Zach and Andre. <laughs> I I pray dearly that it doesn't go all the way to an hour, but yep, you know, it's, for everyone's sake, it's the name that counts. You are here with uh, Zach. That's the voice you're hearing right now. And the other one over there that you heard the silky smooth, <laughs> beautiful voice of my good friend, Andre Nelson. Uh, welcome to the TPM podcast. We're going to talk a little more about art today. Uh, we did this once before and we, we talked a lot about um, my flavor of art. Uh, for lack of a better word, which is the kind of the audio variety of art, um, art that you listen to. Uh, and then we ended that podcast geeking out over one of our favorite bands, AJR. Uh, go listen to them if you haven't. Um, today, we're going to venture into a different world of art, uh, and that is Andre's world. Uh, so Andre, tell the listeners a little bit about your how you would call yourself an artist. Yeah, so I probably fall on the visual arts side of the spectrum or the um, range of different categories of art. I do a lot of drawing, kind of pen and ink drawing, um, and then I do a lot of watercolor painting. So, um, yeah, I got into it um, at the kind of behest of my grandmother who taught me what she knew about watercolor painting maybe 13 or 14 years ago. And, uh, you know, and so then I dabbled literally and figuratively with it. And over time kind of came into really enjoying it and enjoying the opportunity to paint things that I liked to, you know, I mean, my grandma got me into it painting flowers and birds and birdhouses, you know, as any grandmother would. And then when I got to, when I realized I could like go out and paint, you know, mountains and animals and things like that, that I was really more drawn to Then it was really just kind of like open the floodgates to it. So, um, yeah, I've done a lot. Of, I've done a lot of different things and illustrated a couple of children's books. Actually, that was a whole chapter. Oh, I never do that. Yeah. That's super yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, I got four children's books. Um, we'll talk about that more later. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. So anyway, all this to say, like I am a visual artist. I'm a, a painter, a drawer, um, and I've always really enjoyed that, and it's been a cool, cool way to experience um, different gifts and experience the world. Yeah, I love it. So, as we were spitballing before we started, um, one thing we noted, um, and I think where we really want to go with this topic, the idea we want to confront is this idea of utility value, when and how we look at art, um, and it's it's a more apparent problem. I think, and I think you'd agree with me, um, when we talk about visual art. Um, and the idea is there's this thing that we're spending time, money, uh, resources on, um, and sometimes it can be really hard um, to see the utility value in it, um, the inherent value to it. And when we think about my flavor of art, the idea of music, I think oftentimes, even people who aren't artists, they have an easier time getting this utility value out of music, where there it's it's an easier transaction for them to make. They say, "I'm going to spend resources in this, and I'm going to get this back because it does something for me." In our Christian cultures, it's a part of our worship service, and and all all these other it things. Can, you know, yeah, it can relax you. Right, it can make you feel 
different ways. So there are different periods of your life where music is actually really functional, which is what he's getting at. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, where where it can get messy um, or where it can get tough, especially for artists of your variety, um, is when we have to confront what is the what's the value then in right. visual art right you don't have a bad day and go look up your favorite painting right like it just doesn't do that for yeah. you when i was an angsty teenager mad at my parents i never <laughs> went and looked at paintings i put on my <laughs> punk rock <laughs> albums yeah so right so let's let's talk a little bit about that um talk about the you know where is the value in the aesthetic yep i think that is the big you've identified the a major if not the main hurdle that it takes to get over with this branch of art um, where you have to realize it is, it's pretty uh, superfluous. Like it's kind of extra. It's a little lofty. It's a little lofty. It's kind of just extra on top. And I think some people who are really into art would actually push back on that and say like, no, we absolutely must have, have art, you know, culturally and and whatnot. And I think there probably is an argument for that, but you're not going to hear it from me. However, I do think that it's really important and that if we can get past the, well, I don't need this to survive, you know, and it, and it doesn't necessarily bring me comfort in the same way that music does or that other art forms do. If we can get past that, we can actually come into a place where we are set up to experience and to enjoy um, a really cool branch of um, the arts as we know them. So, I think if yeah so and for me it's it's kind of hard for me to talk about it because I am an artist and so half of my trip to the art museum is just like wondering how they did it you know and like getting up really close and like seeing the brush strokes and seeing them mix the colors like right. on the thing and and um and so it's it's kind of is a little bit different for me I, I get I'll admit that I get a lot of a lot of my what uh, the bang for my buck so to speak is is that side of it. Um, but at the same time, there are moments when you see artwork um, and you're actually captivated by it. You know, you, it actually kind of stops you in your tracks. And um, if you slow down enough to really look at what's there, I think that's another part of the problem. Um, then you realize that um, there's something really cool that some somebody has created. Um, and so <laughs> that's the other thing with this topic is it's easy to just pigeonhole it to um, just like art museums, like stodgy paintings on canvases that are 10 feet by 20 feet along. Um, but to realize that art is bigger than just classical paintings, you know, what we're really talking about here is general aesthetics and beauty in the visual sense. And so, you know, cool murals add a lot to even environments, you know. Um, I, I can picture several murals in downtown Minneapolis that really kind of light up the area that they're in. And mm -hmm. So I think there's a there's room to appreciate that too and to acknowledge that um, even the, the way that aesthetic creation can alter the mood of spaces and the mood of viewers and the people that come alongside it. Um, uh, and also to kind of define a space, like now, now we're getting like really, really out there. But like, if you imagine the sculpture garden, like yeah, the Minneapolis yeah, yeah, yeah. sculpture garden for our Minnesota listeners, yeah, I which mean, are do pretty we, probably all yeah, of I you. Mean, do we have uh, any listeners outside? Of Minnesota? <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, the spoon and cherry thing, or the big blue chicken. Um, you know, you 
can kind of see those in your mind and they become associated with a place and there's a character that comes out of them. Um, and Well, I should say they contribute character to the space and to the area, the geography, if you will. And so, so yeah, I just think that there's a lot to be appreciated and to be drawn from in the visual arts here. And so once you get past the fact that we don't literally need it to survive, then you're in a whole new world of, of appreciation. Yeah. <clears throat> so... I'm going to say something that's going to get real long-winded, um, but here we go. Buckle up, everybody. So in, in my opinion, there are there are times where I think the church can glean something from the secular world. Um, and, in, and in reality, I'm going to parallel this to music. Um, at one time, the, the church world was the, the forerunner of music. You go back through music history, um, in terms of like classical music and how that kind of moved us into what modern music is today, it, it is completely foundational on the early church. Um, and I, and then we kind of, it feels like we lost it somewhere along the way. Um, and we lost the view of why our, like why the aesthetic is important, um, and for a time we did the same thing happened with music where the church was the forerunner of music and then went the wrong way where they were now holding back music. Um, and I feel like the same has happened with a lot of visual art where at one time look back to the, the cathedrals of the medieval times and places like Notre Dame, you know, the, the church absolutely was the forerunner of a visual aesthetic um, and you know, that can be for better or for worse, depending on, on how you look at it and the circumstances in, um, but you know, in our secular world, it's obvious that aesthetic is important. Um, whether someone admits it or not, we certainly act like it is. Um, when, when you talk about like every app that you use, and we had talked about this a little bit before, and I think it's a really good point. Um, so I'm not going to take credit for this. Andre had this thought. <laughs> Every app that you use, you know, if you log on to the app and it looks like the 1980s, you know, version of Windows, you're immediately, I, I mean, you're immediately deleting it. You're not going to use that. Everything that we use, we subconsciously are putting a value on it based on its aesthetic, um, and part of it. Um, is you know if you're the one creating the aesthetic it's in my opinion it's you know are you putting value in this thing right like are you trying do you see inherent value to it um are you sh like are you putting care into this thing that you're creating um so part like part of the thing we wanted to talk about was like these these old tabernacles, and I know you're or not tabernacle. Sorry, um, we, we we will talk about the tabernacle. Uh, give us a minute though. But I, we want to talk a little bit about these the idea of these old cathedrals and what that meant, um, and kind of the unique sense of worship that was there. Yeah, I think so. Zach mentioned Notre Dame, and uh, I spent a fair amount of time in Paris, and so um, Notre Dame is a big deal. But but for me, actually, the the cathedral that I insist on going back to every time I'm in Paris is Sacré-Cœur. And that's the big white one with kind of domes almost. It's up on the hill um, in Paris. And it is just the most visually worshipful and commanding 
space I've ever been in. So tell me more about that. You say like visually yeah, worshipful. Like, it's just break that down for yeah, me. Yeah, you. <laughs> it's so. Oh my gosh, because it's so big. I think it's this combination of the grandeur of it, but also the um, uninterrupted focus on God, on Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, um, just through and through from the. You know, stained glass windows that you do. That's just par for the course in cathedrals. But even to the tiling of the floors and just the way that everything is laid out. And um, I think the like really soaring archways that they have. I mean, all of these cathedrals that have a big, and there's all this really good vocab when it comes to church architecture. And I don't know any, any of it. But, but the big um, space that goes right up from the middle. Um, sometimes there's a dome and sometimes it's like a big tower. Uh, it's just the fact that you can look up there and see so far, it just, it kind of, it kind of harkens to the grandeur of God, you know, to the immensity of, um, the creator of the universe. And so I think there's something there. Um, I also say this because there's this insane tiling mosaic design pattern thing on the, Basically, the ceiling, the whole ceiling of the back half of it, and it's, it's got, you know, I don't know who all the people, I mean, well, there's one, and it's pretty obvious that it's Jesus. But there's a bunch of other people, presumably a lot, many of the apostles and, um, you know, other biblical figures. Um, but the way that it, even the way that it, like, connects, there's this gold, like, kind of halo that's shaped around Jesus' head, and then it goes up and then around the bend all the way to this like tiny dove that's like glowing and then all the way back. And you can't see all of these even from the same position, which I think is maybe also potentially symbolic. Like the more you think about these things, the more they mean and the greater their import becomes. And anyway, so yeah, from the way that it reflects biblical teaching and the way that it honors and glorifies Christ, um, no matter which direction in which you look. And then it also just happens to be a place that you can physically worship in. You know, right. that's like the other right. thing. You know, you build this whole temple. It really is a temple. We don't call them temples anymore, but it is. You know, churches are temples. Um, and then, it w- honestly, it would have been fine as as that, you know, as a space that just is immersive. It's also very quiet and, you know, crypt-like, which I, I happen to like. I think it weirds <laughs> other people out, but, you know. Uh, and then, and then, but then we purpose it for the sake of corporately worshiping God, and so there's just all of that comes together in such a um, captivating and arresting combination that I think I just man, I just pity people who miss that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I stepped on my own touchdown call a little bit earlier, but um, the idea, like, we have a very clear biblical example of this in, in the tabernacle. Um, read through the Old Testament as the tabernacle is being built. What, is that First Kings? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Um, e- but even you know, even before the tabernacle um, like became permanent, even when it was just temporary, uh, yeah. the specificity and just this temporary structure was immense. And then when it was permanent, just the grandeur of Right. This thing in the detail and the value that God placed on the beauty and the aesthetic. The instructions for building this thing were painstakingly specific and detailed and complete. Not Definitely not centered around what's the most efficient way yeah. to <laughs> move the priests through this place in and out, boom, yeah. bang, Or bang. what's the fact... The- 
easiest to set up and tear down. The right. thing that I was always captivated by was, I said captivated again, just like struck by when reading through Exodus is the number of times they would have had to move it. You know, every time they move locations when they were in the mobile phase of the tent of meeting or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, they would have had to tear the thing down right. every time they left. And so every single time they're putting the care in to build it just the right way and uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. to go back to God's word in order to do that, you know, or what was the equivalent of God's right. word at the time, it's just oh boy, yeah, it's I mean, so good. I go to a church where we meet in a gym and we we hang up curtains, right? Oh. And those things are built for efficiency, and it's still a pain. Like I cannot imagine, like just like, and messing it up came with a huge price. Like people die. For doing things like, like agreed through the story, people die for doing things like that wrong and cutting corners. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this incredible value that's that's placed on these things um, in in the tabernacle itself is incredible, and I think it paints this idea that like we ought to be valuing the aesthetic of our, um, I will say, of our our worship, for lack of a better word, that this this idea of this visual worship is something that the everyday believer should reflect on. Um, and if it's something that doesn't come naturally, then I, I think it's something that can be practiced. Then I'm sorry, but that, yeah, but, but that's, I think that's the bigger idea that's emerging from this conversation for me is that care matters and that sometimes the right way takes longer and is more difficult. And I think that visual art shows that, you know, that, that the best way to do something maybe involve some stuff that isn't necessarily needed, you know, uh, per se. And so from a utility just, standpoint. Yeah, from a utility standpoint. Needed. Exactly. But if your if your goal is to worship fully and and I'm not saying it has to look the same, you know, this all could also could spill into like really shallow, you know, things need to look a certain way. Like our worship needs to be right. just really pretty and polished right. and, and great all the time. Know, and we're not I'm not saying that you yeah, know it, it can really spill into a place where it's like oh we need fog machines and light exactly. shows exactly and that's not nope. necessarily what we're calling for right yeah but i think to acknowledge the fact that extra care and a rejection of just you know bar non efficiency in the in the context of of worship and the way that you carry carry out your life um can be a really great lesson that we glean at a higher level from the idea of aesthetics and visual arts. So anyway, I, it's been really good to talk about this, Zach. I'm glad that you have prompted our little art hour. Um, I'm glad I have a fellow art guy. Yeah, yeah. well, not not quite the same, but, you know, we will <laughs> we will weather the storm together, my friend. Uh, where can people see some of your art? Oh, wow. Okay, so that... And that was not that was not me mouthing to Zach. <laughs> give me a give me a springboard he, here. He slid me a twenty. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I do have a website, uh, AndreNelsonArt.com, and that is kind of the central place for people to see what's new and what what I've what I've done over the years and what I'm continuing to do. So I always love to share it with people. So check it out. Awesome. Yeah, go check that out. Uh, as always, um, I hope our this very much verbal processing. Um, was edifying for you in some way. Have a great week, everybody.